0: We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Laura,
1: a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. In this episode, Laura and I get into the nitty-gritty of birth why you'd want one, how detailed you want to be, and how it can be a tool for building relationships instead of creating conflict and confrontation. We talk about the different components of a birth plan and how to get your care provider on the same page. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us and for listening to Mother Birth. We are here today to talk about birth plans and what we should be thinking about when we're having a baby and thinking about how we want that birth to go, um, regardless of the setting or the type of care that we've chosen. Um, So we're going to approach this from a few different angles and hopefully give you a better idea of how to be thinking about a birth plan. Yep. Today
0: on the show, it's Lara and Melissa. So first we wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of a birth plan and um, viewing it kind of as a tool to help you as you prepare for your birth and also a tool for you to help you kind of learn about Um, the kind of care you'll be receiving and the environment that you'll be having your baby in and um, what the providers that you're working with are also expecting and what their normal plan of care includes. Melissa has done some research on some different kind of resources for birth plans and some frameworks to kind of look at. But overall, we really wanted to talk about this on the podcast because we feel like the birth plan is something that's become very popular and has kind of grown in the last few years in becoming, like I said, a tool to help um, couples prepare for a birthday.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good point to make. Is that it's not just for the birthing mother; it's for the couple, and potentially, you know, for her her support team in general. You know, most mothers would be discussing if they're if they're choosing to have a doula, would be discussing the birth plan with their doula so that everyone's on the same page. It's definitely very beneficial to spend time with your with your partner, with your spouse, going over, you know, as many of the details as they feel comfortable engaging. Um, because when you're in labor, you're going to be in a different zone than you are when you're preparing, and your partner is going to be one of the primary people that's helping you to evaluate any of the choices that you have to make. So that's a definitely a critical piece of the planning and preparation and the engagement with a birth plan.
0: Absolutely. I think that um, like when we've, we've spoken about having support and maybe hiring a doula or what provider you're going to be working with, the birth plan is something that you'll be kind of developing and reading about as you move forward in your pregnancy and the birth plan can be an exhaustive tool that can kind of carry everything from when you begin labor, when you start early contracting all the way through the end of your postpartum care. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that can kind of be about managing not only the labor process and the birth process, but also um, postpartum care of the mother and postpartum care of your baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The newborn care is, I think, something that people don't always think about when they're thinking about a birth plan. But there are a lot of things that happen after birth that, you know, will affect the care of your newborn and also potentially your bonding period with the newborn that you'll definitely want to think about.
0: I think one of the things um, when you look towards a birth plan that can be hard is how much do I include or how much I don't include. Right. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is just the difference between exhausting every kind of scenario that could possibly happen or just planning for a normal physiological birth experience. And I think that really depends on you as a person and your personality. I think, as we all know, learning and kind of gathering information about birth, there's a lot of different paths that birth can take, um, as it is a process that changes. Um, So I think it's a good idea to really sit with the people who are going to be on your team, whether that's your provider or your doula, and kind of come up with a way to approach um, looking at different uh, not not necessarily even about different interventions, but more about just the different different paths that birth can take, you know everything from going into labor spontaneously and contracting, or maybe your water breaks and you're not contracting. there's just so many different things that can happen, especially in the early stages and late stages of labor. You kind of need to evaluate how much of that you would want to kind of go through in your plan and how much of it is more about like a global approach to birth that you want to communicate to the team that you'll be working with.
1: Yeah. And, and there can be a good way to, to find a balance between those, those two approaches. You know, you may have certain things that are very important to you about your birth, but there are a lot of other things that you're willing to go with the flow on. And so you may take the approach of, you know, giving a more, you know, bird's eye view of, what you'd like the, you know, the experience of birth to be and include a few details on procedures that you, you know, do or don't want to to have. Um, or you could, you know, go the route of going through every possible scenario, like Laura said. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a, there's definitely a way to combine those two, depending on, on how many things you do have preferences about and also what your, your approach is. I think that, you know, a lot of the resources, which we'll we'll share um, in the show notes, a lot of the resources that are online, you know, do have, it's kind of like a, you know, choose from the following several options. And they go through most, you know, every, every tool is a little bit different, but most of them do a good job of presenting pretty much all of the scenarios that you might find yourself in during birth. They are also... Some of them are overkill. There might be things that either don't end up applying to you or that you don't care about or based on your birth setting may not even be relevant. Um, One thing that I will say along those lines is that sometimes mothers say, well, you know, I'm planning an out-of-hospital birth, and I've had a lot of conversations with my care provider, and I know what their, you know, their model of care is, and I don't think I need to worry too much about the details – The truth is, is that you may still, even in those scenarios, be faced with decisions that you weren't expecting. And you may, as unlikely as it is, be in a situation where you end up with a hospital transfer. And suddenly, not only are you overwhelmed and potentially frightened because of, you know, the circumstances of what's going on in labor, but now you're going to be faced with all kinds of decisions that you didn't take the time to, you know, to process and to think about in advance. And you will most likely not have the time, even if you did think about them, to be able to convey those in any kind of coherent way to the hospital staff. So, you know, in an emergency situation, a lot of the items on a birth plan aren't going to apply anyways, but some of them still will. You'll still have choices about, you know, how there are certain choices you can make even about how a cesarean goes, then and certainly about newborn care and, you know, all of those things. So, I think having a contingency plan or, you know, what some people call a transfer birth plan is a, is a really good idea. Even though, you know, say it may seem counterproductive to the concept of positive thinking, um, I would say it's far better to be planned in that scenario or to be prepared in that scenario um, and to be able to relieve at least one component of the anxiety and, you know, sense of overwhelm that you may be feeling in that situation by thinking about those things in advance and giving your partner the tools to be able to, again, if it's an emergency situation, you're probably not going to be, you know, thinking very rationally or coherently. Your partner is probably going to be overwhelmed as well, but he's going to be the, you know, the one that's able to, you know, to evaluate some of the choices that you may still have and be able to have a framework from which to do that.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I think about, when I think about a birth plan, I think about something like going on a backpacking trip or going camping. There's just a lot of forethought. There's a lot of organization. There's a lot of list making. And there's a lot of kind of steps you go through planning on everything going well. Nobody wants to go on a camping trip or a backpacking trip and there's bad weather. So you plan for an entire trip and there's good weather. And then a smart or experienced camper might tell you to also plan what would happen if we were mid-trip yeah. and, and the weather turned bad. What would we do? And so I think in some ways that's kind of how things can go with birth. I think most of your energy and most of your time should be planning for that trip with great weather where things right. go well. And then kind of finding out in, in your own level of comfort and that of your partner, like how much do we want to plan for bad weather? Right. And, you know, for no other reason, that metaphor works well for me because – it's something that sometimes you can't control. You can't control the weather. Sometimes you can't control changes in your plan and changes in, in ways things can go with your birth. And so focusing on that in a way that, that makes you guys both comfortable and prepared is really what's important. I don't think that being having the most exhaustive, detailed birth plan is in any way going to improve or change your outcome. Um, but it's all about the comfort level that it brings to you in that process and the confidence yeah. that it brings to you in that process. And, and I think, oh, and like Melissa said, for some people, that might be to, to not have much of a plan. To, right. Maybe the plan is that I've spent so much time and so much consideration choosing the provider, the setting and my support that I actually trust them to make those changes for me, to kind of fare that bad weather with me and for me, yeah. And that is that's a plan, and that's a great plan, especially if that's based on confidence.
1: Yeah, I, that's that what have. I was gonna say is that confidence does affect outcomes because, a, you know, a laboring woman who is confident in herself and in the choices that she's faced with is is going to, mm-hmm. you know, she's just going to emotionally and mentally cope better. She's going to be able to, um, you know, it, it, her ability to cope will affect her ability to progress. And even if she's faced with certain interventions that, you know, maybe she hadn't planned on, um, those things can still contribute positively towards, you know, her, her progress and towards, you know, like you talked about, a, a, you know, a, a normal physiological labor. And I think that when, you know when ultimately labor can be overwhelming no matter what and i think what we're talking about is just the the reduction if not elimination of one aspect of the things that you're going to have to think about mm-hmm. and you know coming back to coming back to the part about the partner and you know that involvement i think so much of it has to do with it's not just about a birth plan, of course, you give a copy to, you know, your care providers, to the hospital staff, to whoever is going to be involved. And that's obviously one of the benefits and one of the purposes of a birth plan is so that they know, please, you know, please don't do this without my consent or, you know, mm-hmm. make, let's make sure we talk about this before this happens, those kinds of things. But in my experience, a, a possibly even more primary benefit is that it allows you to think through those things in advance mm-hmm. so that you know both what you prefer and also if things don't go how you planned, what the alternatives are going to be and and like how you're going to be able to cope with a change in plans if that needs to happen. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that if you're in the middle of labor and you haven't thought about, you know, whether you want Pitocin augmentation for, you know, slow progress, you're going to be like, I don't have to even know, like my back hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going yeah. Yeah. to be capable even of pro- like not only making a decision, but, but processing that in any valuable way.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that um, that kind of brings us to something we are thinking about talking about where ta- we talk a lot about things that we don't want. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people focus on the things that they don't want in labor, especially if you are coming from a perspective where you feel like, I want to have low intervention birth, I want to have um, an unmedicated unmedicated birth." birth, or I want to not have any kind of augmentation in my birth. And so I think that Sometimes, even if you read about birth plans, there's a lot of focus on, I don't want this, I don't want mm-hmm. that, and I don't want this, and I don't want that. And you know, just from my experience working in the hospital, kind of receiving birth plans, I get a lot of that. I think I get a lot of people who think that because maybe they're in, maybe because they're in the hospital or maybe because they're not sure what, what that environment will be like or what the culture is there, they want to make sure that they're defending themselves from us. Right. Is so, a birth plan can become a wall or a defense system where it's like, this is what I want, and this is what you want me to do, and these things are opposing. I think it's it's really valuable um, as a person who kind of receives people who have plans to really talk through with people and and figure out what people really do want. Mm-hmm. So if if what you don't want is augmentation, if what you don't want is intervention, if you don't want is to be offered pain medication, if you don't want to, you know be monitored all the time or whatever component of your birth plan you, you don't want. I My my job, I think, and my responsibility is to figure out what you do really want. So in yeah. all of those things, on the other side is something that you do want, which is you want to be mobile. You want to progress yeah. naturally. You want to let your body do what it's made to do. You want to basically have the freedom to labor. Um, and so I think that that's really important to find some language in that and your birth plan and fi- and find what, like Melissa was saying earlier, like what is really important to you for some yes. people, like they know that it's really important to them that they don't want to have pain medication. And so not being offered it is a way of saying like, this is something that I, w- this is a decision that I'm making and I want everybody on my team to have made that decision with me. Right. So instead of just saying like, I don't want you to offer me pain medicine and I don't want to be asked about my pain. You can say, you know, this is this is something that i want and so what i want is for you to help me do that in any right. way you can
1: yeah and some of the some of the birth plan resources that we will share one in particular does a really good job of instead of just a list of like i don't want this i don't want this it gives examples of like during labor i'd like to and you know you have options to choose from like play music you know stay hydrated with water instead of saying like i don't want an iv you know you can instead express your preference to, to stay hydrated with, you know, fluids. Um, same thing with comfort measures. I think that's a huge, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about pain medication and, you know, how women cope in labor, we're really talking about comfort measures and what they'd like to choose. And so instead of just saying, you know, don't offer me pain medication, you can talk about what you want to use and what you want to rely on as yeah. as your forms of comfort measures during labor. You haven't said, like, i I will do these six things during labor, and so now you don't have the option of trying something else, including pain medication. Um, you know, you always you always have the ability to to make changes. And I think mm-hmm. when I was thinking about this earlier, you know, thinking about how birth plans can come across sometimes they can sometimes seem condescending or um, obnoxious or you know, they, they sound like this is how my birth is going to go. And we all know that even though birth is normal and completely, completely, you know, a healthy process for women, what we do know is that it's not predictable. And so even using the word plan is a little bit problematic. (laughs) Like calling it a birth plan is saying like, this is how I expect things to go. And, you know, for the, even, even for all the women who birth naturally and you know do things make don't make any of any choices that they didn't want to make it still would it never goes how you planned like Mm -hmm. maybe you planned for it to you know to you were hoping it would be quick and it took forever or you your last birth was long and this one was quick or you know whatever it is it's like Mm -hmm. there's no plan there's no there's no prescription for how it's going to go. These should probably be called birth preferences. <laughs> and I do think that there is that. I think
0: that I've gotten plenty of plans that have come across. And, you know, it's Laura Lisa's ideas about labor or yeah. wishes or preferences, like you said. Yeah. And I think that that kind of opens your hand a little bit with it. And I think that that's kind of something that can be really difficult for people who do make plans mm-hmm. is just because you've made a plan and you know exactly what you would want it doesn't mean that you should kind of you should close your mind to other possibilities and right. i think that, that that kind of ties into something we would definitely want to talk about which is like developing a plan and giving that plan to someone hmm. i think as far as components of a birth plan a lot of what we've kind of already mentioned ties into a few aspects i think in early labor the beginning of labor I think a component of the birth plan is, could be when you want to begin to be kind of supervised in labor mm-hmm. or be attended to, I guess. You know, if that's an out of hospital context, when would you want to be checked out by a midwife? Um, if it's an in-hospital context, when would you want to go in to be evaluated? Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, again, you'd want to discuss with your provider and kind of find out what, what they would tell you. And I think as far as a plan, what that is, is, you know, once you've agreed with your provider what that early labor piece looks like, you need to decide for you how much labor you want to do on your own at home, Mm -hmm. Um, at least in the context of the hospital to be evaluated for labor. That means they're going to check your cervix and kind of see how far you have been dilated with the contractions that you're having. Um, And on that scale, they're going to evaluate whether or not they think you would be a candidate for staying in the hospital or being sent home. So I think that's a that's a piece of birth like the early part of your birth plan is is when you would want to be evaluated
1: yeah I think backing up even just a little bit before that a birth plan should include you know without like this is not like a an essay about yourself but some information about yourself I think it should include any of the fears or concerns that you have about this birth um, potentially some information about your history that, you know, in a hospital setting, nurses, for example, may not know. Um, your. You know, your your doctor or midwife is likely to know your history and, and all of these things, but there may be other people present that wouldn't. Um, I think that, you know, if you have th- – this is your chance to say, you know, th- from a – potentially from a philosophical stance, like where – you know, what yeah. you are hoping to achieve. And and especially in a in a birth plan like we talked about that's going to strike some balance between, you know, giving more of a sense of like this is how I would like things to go. This is this is the general approach I'd like to take and including some details about specific things that you, you know, do want to include or, or you know, really mm-hmm. don't want to include, at least not unless they're, you know, medically necessary. Um that's a that's a good way to To find that balance is to include that information that can um, provide some context for your care providers, especially the ones that may be in attendance that don't know you.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point, too. I think um, sometimes it's nice just to hear even just like, hi, I'm Laura, and this is my first baby, and Mm -hmm. I really don't know what to expect except for that I'm really excited and that I've done a lot of work, To prepare, you know, I think I've had people say those sort of things in a birth plan, Mm -hmm. and just say, you know, maybe like a couple of over, like you said, like a like a kind of a bird's eye view or like an overarching goal. Like my goal really is just to have a vaginal delivery, and if I can do that without, without medications, that would be great. Right. You know, or a lot of times people will say things, even just like a personal message, like, "Thank you so much. I'm really excited that you get to be a part of this special day for me." Or, yeah. You know in my setting in the hospital, I've had even people, and I think this has to come from care providers. Like they'll just say something like my midwife has told me what an amazing team that you have here. And I'm excited to work with you guys. And not, I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, I think, you know, coming it out, coming out of my mouth, it sounds like, Oh, you're like sucking up to the nurses or something. But I think if anything, it's just the acknowledgement of like, I've asked, and I know that you can, Handle and help me with this, yeah. and it's a, it's a way of connecting with yeah. again. This this is something that's kind of going to hit different people in the care team that maybe you haven't had those personal. Mm-hmm. Ongoing relationships with even maybe if you're having a baby at a birth center, like your your predominant relationship would be with your midwife. There's going to be a student midwife. There might be another person involved, or maybe you're going to have a doula that works for the birth center that you you have met, but they don't know you as well as that other person might know you. So this is something that get get picked up by different people along the way.
1: And I think it's it's just setting the tone. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of it being confrontational or adversarial, like a list of like. Here's what you may and may not do to my body is, you know, which is kind of confrontational. And from the perspective of a skilled professional in, you know, a hospital setting, they're like, "Um, I'm here to help you. Are you aware of that? Yeah, (laughs) You know, so I think it's setting the tone that we're here to work together. And, you know, here are the things that I've thought about. Here are the things that are important to me. Um, That goes a long way in in creating and fostering that relationship that is going to be a very intimate one for Mm -hmm. whatever length of time. Agreed. So, you know, the next components of a birth plan after early labor and how you're going to, how you're going to receive care and when you're going to start receiving care. um, The next, you know, things to think about would just be the actual different components of labor. So you know, it can be good to break it up either into focusing on what normal labor and birth looks like and the things that you would like to include. Um, sometimes people go a little bit more chronologically, like, you know, here's here are my thoughts on induction. Here are my thoughts on, you know, um, early labor and, you know, how I'll cope then. Here are my mm-hmm. thoughts during during active labor from, you know, 6 to however many centimeters. Here are, my, here are my thoughts during the transition period. Here are my thoughts for pushing, um, for delivery, for, you know, then for newborn care. Um, and in the doula training that I've been doing, they they really emphasize focusing on the normal labor and birth and separating that from unexpected events, because they are really different categories. And there may be a number of different unexpected events, and you may consider deciding to have an epidural. An unexpected event if you had thought you were going to labor without without pain medication. Mm-hmm. But the une- unexpected events are going to more be things like an unexpected cesarean, um, or you know your your baby needing to be in the NICU for a yeah. while after birth. Like those are kind of more the the unexpecteds that we're talking about, separating from you know the the normal birth stages and you know the choices that you would be making during those stages so do you want to break that down any further yeah I think I would agree
0: I think it kind of if you think of it in those two I mean kind of two pathways with having the plan I think if you're really working on your plan for normal labor progression then I think that's when you kind of put in those preferences that have to do more with what kind of care you might receive in that time um related to maybe movement, mm-hmm. um, use, of, use of water, um, you know, if you're in the hospital setting, monitoring yeah. um, would be something that would need to be addressed. And I think that those are the things that y- we kind of mentioned earlier, checking in with your provider about kind of what a normal standard of care would be. Yeah, And that's easy to kind of utilize an appointment um, as you kind of progress in your pregnancy and just say, you know, next time I really want to talk about some stuff with the birth plan almost all you know we live in the pacific northwest so i understand that that's something that is maybe more present here almost all providers are familiar with if if wouldn't be able i think they would also be able to provide you with some sort of birth plan or outline that they've used in their practice um and i think i think it's something that it's good to ask for like i said to say like next time i'd really like to talk about um i'm you know i'm working on my my birth plan i'd really like to talk to you about like what what are some normal things that you know Maybe I would not, not necessarily what on whether or not you'd want to include them, but kind of so you get an idea of where their perspective is on some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I always think about monitoring because it's a huge part of my job as a labor and delivery nurse. There's a certain minimum standard that we're required to do in the hospital. And so I think for a lot of people, if labor is going kind of down that path of normal physiological labor, that's progressing, um, an interaction that, sometimes people are annoyed by or troubled by is that monitoring aspect mm-hmm. and what that's required as far as kind of interrupting those other things we were talking about, movement, use of water. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's good to kind of understand what that piece would look like in that normal um, plan. You know, most hospitals now have intermittent monitoring policies, which means you don't have to be on the monitor all the time. Yeah. And again, when I refer to monitor, I'm talking about monitoring contractions and the fetal heart rate. And so I think that's something that, that should be included in your birth plan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you prefer to be intermittently monitored, um, that's something that I think you should be communicating with your provider and making sure mm-hmm. that that's something that they support. And then also with whatever care team you're interacting with Yeah. the day of.
1: Yeah, because inevitably when you're thinking through a birth plan, regardless of your care provider model of choice, there are going to be some things on the birth plan that your care provider is like, oh, yeah, yeah, duh, of course, and other things that they might be like, well, you know, only if things go this certain way, and other things that they might be like, that's I am not comfortable with that for, you know, this reason or another. I definitely experienced that in my first pregnancy where there were certain components of what I wanted to, you know, wanted to include or not include, during the birth that my care provider was not comfortable with and I actually had to like provide information to her like studies before she would really agree to proceed in that in that way and that might be un unnecessary in most cases. And, you know, a lot of times it, it would just be a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately your care provider is just going to want you to know what their thoughts are and, and you know, any concerns that they have. Um, some things are going to be up to you no matter what. And some things are going to be in an emergency situation out of your hands. Like you're not going to be able to say, I don't want a C-section if, if you need to have a C-section. You know, there will be other interventions that you – you know, a care provider may even be strongly suggesting them, but not for a medically necessary reason, and you may still decline. So th- there's kind of these two different categories of things that you're going to have to make choices about.
0: Yeah, and another thing that comes to mind when we're talking about just that, again, the normal um, progression of labor plan, I don't know if mm-hmm. we call it that, I don't know, <laughs> needs to have a better name than that, um, I would say something that it easily comes to mind for me if you're in a hospital setting is like getting an IV. Yeah. So you know, I have a lot of patients that don't that don't prefer to have an IV site, and a lot of providers that are very comfortable with that. Yeah. Um. And you know, the reason that that we have IV access is for emergency reasons, mm-hmm. and so most providers will kind of say something to the effect of, "I prefer that you get it in case we need it for an emergency. If you'd like to decline it, you can." Yeah. And so, you know, for some people, that would be. A deterrent. They'd be like, oh, well, I should get it then. But right. I think, you know, it's something that in this kind of normal physiological birth realm, it might not be something that you need. And so if it's something that you feel like would make you uncomfortable or less free, then, you know, I, I think, you know, it's your right to decline that.
1: Yeah. And so that's kind
0: of something in that normal to you would just encounter.
1: Yeah. And you should, you know, this again comes down to personality and it comes down to. The amount of preparation and effort you want to put into thinking about birth and how that's going to go, but you can follow one of these online, you know, birth planning mm-hmm. tools, and it will ask you pretty much every question that you know would come up in a birth setting, um, and it, you know, it's easy enough depending again on the kind of person you are to, to just follow that and say, okay, I, you know, I that makes sense or that doesn't make sense. Some things are some things are purely about preference. Like do you want to play music and have, you know, like wear your own clothing during labor at a hospital? Like that is a personal preference. It's not, you know, based on, on evidence or science. It's not something that mm-hmm. like you should be thinking about, you know, from from a from a statistical perspective or from an outcomes perspective it's just like this is what will make me more comfortable at, or not um other things and you know you just kind of have to evaluate which which are which but other things are things that like instead of just running through a birth plan and saying okay yeah no I don't want that I do want that you may benefit from doing some research on and and this is where this is where you know a a really great care provider can help provide that those resources. Mm -hmm. So can someone like a doula, they can, you know, they can't tell you what to do during labor or what kinds of choices you should make, but they can help provide you resources, provide you with information, you know, studies, if that's what you want to look at, which I definitely recommend to be able to make your decisions based on, on the evidence and the science that we know about, about birth. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the perspective of a birth plan it, and the formulation of a birth plan is is taking into account like what a number of these different interventions what effect they have on outcomes and specifically in creating what we call a cascade of interventions like mm-hmm. if you have this you're more likely for this to happen you're more likely to need an, this intervention which would increase potentially a cesarean rate by you know x amount so that's really what You know, aside from comfort, aside from experience, aside from satisfaction, which are all important things, we're Mm -hmm. we are talking about outcomes. We are talking about things that that the evidence shows affect outcomes one way or another. So, you know, doing research um, to know which of these things not only are important to you personally, but should be important from the perspective of, you know, achieving the best possible outcome for you and your baby, that is an important and very valuable way to look at a birth plan. So. All of that to say, I would definitely recommend as you're using a tool to go through, you know, here are the different kinds of things that I might might be faced with during birth, you know, to take the time to do some research on those things to know why this is even why this choice would even matter. Like, does it matter if I tear or if they cut me? Like, what's really the difference? Well, there are really differences. And it there, you know, there are reasons backed by research that show why, you know, you may want to decline an episiotomy. So right. that's, you know, that that's the other component of of a birth plan or a birth preferences list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and I think that that kind of ties into thinking about the the alternative pathway. So, you know, kind of going back to that essential thing like you said the fears concerns or philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, what if from the very beginning of that so my my philosophy is that I'm going to go into normal physiological spontaneous birth. So now we're kind of diverting from that normal preferences to if if things have an altered pathway. So say I don't go into normal physiological spontaneous birth and I'm 41 weeks and now my midwife wants me to be induced, right? So now I'm I'm on this other pathway of a plan that is going to involve interventions. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we go back even to that idea of like, what's another way that that could be changed? What if you have to change care providers? What mm-hmm. if, you you know, you were planning on having an out-of-hospital birth, and now you're going to have to go to the hospital. Yeah. And now you have a new provider, maybe a new aesthetic, maybe a new environment, maybe a new team. Yeah. And so kind of coming up with ideas of what's important in that for you. For some people, something we haven't talked about yet is a preference of maybe even gender of provider. Maybe you are mm. only comfortable with having a female provider. That is that is something that would be great to include on your birth plan and great to discuss with your provider into your pregnancy. If you're seeing a group of mixed midwives or OBGYNs, there could be male practitioners that are part of that. And for some women that would be very stressful for them or traumatic or uncomfortable. So I think that's like a very kind of voice of those early ideas that are very important about the philosophy of my birth. It might be a philosophy that you want a female attended birth and that's okay. And you have the right to ask for that and to advocate for that. And that's something that should be included in this sort of thought train and discussion so again if you're kind of having to switch the team that you're planning on that would be something to consider Mm -hmm. if you're having to switch your setting and having to switch the team of providers that you're working with obviously that those are some other shifts yeah um again it doesn't mean kind of lisa said this earlier just because you have one change doesn't mean everything changes for your birth and so i think this is kind of the part where we start talking about things that can that can be maybe for some people would promote fear anxiety or disconfidence in the process so if you're you know not going into labor on your own then you kind of start to go down that that road of well this isn't going as it has sh- I planned or how it should be right now I'm having to have some things that I didn't want and so I think again a way to kind of help cope and and build your confidence is having done like you said some research and some studying and consulting mm-hmm. the people that you're Um, working with that you that you do have confidence in and a good working relationship and start talking about what are different kinds of induction what are different kinds of intervention that might happen if I don't go into birth into labor on my own yeah or what if I go into labor on my own and it stalls out or what if my water breaks and I don't start contracting right what what would you do then this is when you say that to your midwife or your doctor you say well what would you do then
1: yeah Okay, so you'll have to wait for next week to hear the rest of our conversation. We're going to talk about the rest of the components of a birth plan, as well as a really useful set of questions you can use to evaluate birth options and the decisions you might have to make if things don't go according to plan.
0: Thanks for listening to Mother Birth Today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us
1: on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Lisa. It's intended as
0: general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.